July 6, 2023. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are donated in loving memory of Joseph Boganem, Yosef Ben Rivka by Eli and Fanny Boganem and family. We're in Masechet Betzah and Lamid Bet Amud Aleph, and we're at the beginning of the Gemara, right after the Mishnah. The Mishnah mentioned for us the first halacha, the first halacha uh, that we'll initially deal with today is in Pohatine Taner. Says the Mishnah, Mipeneh Shu Oseh Keli. What's the halacha? The halacha is that you're not allowed to put the final actions into the production of the receptacle for what will hold the wick, the oil or the wax in it uh, to be your candle holder. Not allowed to put the final acts into it. It's called melachav makebe patish. Rashi interpreted this as taking your fist and sticking it into the clay item in order to give it a receiving area. It was initially like an egg or as Tosafot said, like a golem, something that didn't have a fashion, wasn't fashioned, didn't have a form. You stuck your fist into it and you kind of gave it as you would with Play-Doh today. You gave it a form, you opened it up so that it can now receive something. Tosafot alternatively, but along the same line, said that you'd already done that. It's removing the items that you may have put inside of it to make certain that when you're going to place it into the oven, uh, the walls don't collapse on it. But at the end of the day, both according to Tosafot and Rashi, it's the final stage, it's the final act that you're doing in producing and manufacturing this receptacle for what will be the candle. Now, what's significant, and we mentioned it briefly yesterday, is that the Mishnah is not talking about the real final action, because there's an action which happens after this. This is how you crafted the clay item. What about actually putting it together? What do I mean by putting it together? You need to harden it. You need to place it in the oven. Our Mishnah is assuming prior to the hardening, prior to the, call it, baking act, you're already dealing with a melachav makebe patish, a finishing The item, finishing the keli, that's significant. You could have and perhaps would have imagined, even though it's a little bit out of your hand, the heat of the oven, but that's the final action. Anything you did before that is not complete. Says the Gemara, man tana, who is the author of the Mishnah who maintains, tepehitat ner manahu, that by, um, by finishing the action prior to placing the candle receptacle into the oven, it's considered a keli, it's considered a mana. In Aramaic, the word mana is the word in Hebrew, keli. Who's the opinion who maintains that? Amar Rav Yosef, Rabbi Meir. Rav Yosef explains this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Now, Rabbi Meir will not be uh, talking about the halachot of Shabbat. He will be talking about the concept and uh, the uh, entity of keli, of the utensils. We mentioned at the end of class yesterday, utensils are significant not only in the context of the Isur on Shabbat, but for, or on Shabbat, but furthermore in the context of Tuman Tahara. Tuman Tahara, of course, being the ritual purity and impurity that the Torah prescribes and explains to us. And as a result, in order very often for an item to be um, receptive of Tuma, in order to be, to be susceptible to Tuma, in other words, that it's going to now, by coming in contact, placed under the same roof as a dead body, touching a dead body or anything of that sort, become Tameh, it needs to be what's called a Keli. If it's not a Keli, it's not Tameh. By extension, if it gets broken, it loses its Tuma. In other words, Tuma and Tahara are very much tethered, very much connected to the concept of Keli, much as this Halakha Hilchot Shabbat is. That's the introduction to this next statement of Rabbi Meir, which will have nothing to do with Shabbat, but ironically, everything to do with it. Ditanya, as the Beraita teaches us um, uh, elsewhere in Tosefta, in Masechet Kelim, Keli Heres, 
מאימתי מקבל טומאה? כלי חרס, חרס is earthenware, or clay, or an item made of earthenware, clay, when does it become susceptible to טומאה? When does it receive טומאה? מקבל את טומאה. Again, it might come in contact with something which is טמא. Let's say it's under the same roof as a dead body. Depending on the stage of its manufacturing, if it's not done, it won't be מקבל טומאה. But it came in contact with it in the same way that that item at the same time came in contact with it. That was a complete item. This one wasn't. What's the definition of a complete item? מישנגמרה מלאכתו. It's when you finished its production. דברר במאיר. Now the melacha is what you do with it with your hands. The melacha means everything, including the pechita for our purposes in the context of the ner. That opinion of Rabbi Meir is very significant. That's the opinion we have in our Mishnah because that's in contrast to Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Mishi Yisarifu Bakivshan. Rabbi Yoshua's alternative opinion is it's not considered a keli, it's not finished with regards to being considered a utensil, a vessel which in turn is receptive of Tumah and by extension is is Asura on Shabbat until it's Misuraf Bakivshan. Kivshan is an oven. Lesaref literally means to bring together. The way you harden something is by in some way solidifying the particles. You place it in an oven and you're misaref it. You brought it together. But that's what it means in this context. Rabbi Yoshua's alternative opinion is it only becomes tameh once it was placed in the oven. In turn, our Gemara says, our Mishnah, which says on Shabbat, on Yom Tob, by placing my fist into it, by taking the final uh, straw, which is inside of that ner out, I've been violating the issue of Makeb Patish. Clearly, that's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Yes, Tari. Nowadays, automated systems like machinery, we're not putting our hands into the clay. Is that, is that more like the other I don't think so. I think we're, we're talking about, it's a good question. I think we would ultimately speaking revert back to what is, according to the hachamim, according to these hachamim, the final stage. It may have been what was, it may have been what was inspiring them was because of human versus otherwise, is the way I was interpreting until now. And alternatively, just be, I mean, when do you consider this? It looks finished. Or is it actually finished and usable? And the Gemara will even tease this out a little bit in the next few lines I'm talking about. Maybe even prior to hardening it, it has a certain usage, both today and then. Yeah. Isn't this talking about taking place, like the final touch taking place, let's say, on Yom Tov? On Yom Tov or Shabbat? It's saying that this machine does. He's asking in theory for Kabbalat Tumah. Uh-huh. We have Binyan Beit HaMikdash, and you have the manufacturing of it, but it hasn't been hardened, but it was done by a machine. He's asking, yeah, yeah, yeah. would Rabbi Meir still maintain? That's the type of question. Says Gemara Amarle Abaye. Abaye responds to this initial statement of the Gemara. Keep in mind, it was Rav Yosef who claimed that our Mishnah only accords according to the, with the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Says Abaye, I, I can't. I'm not sure that I'm certain about that. I don't know that our Mishnah would even follow the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Well, one more time, our Mishnah is talking about the final stages on the Neir, and we said it's Mishif Hat. Uh, and Rabbi Meir is talking about in the context of Klihayres by Tuman Tahara. Why would you distinguish? I mean, it's the same thing. If both of them are talking about prior to placing in the oven, how could you say that, oh, that's Rabbi Meir who's Mahmir, stringent by Tuman Tahara, but not here? Is it something to do with that? Well, let's see for a second. See that he goes. Amarle Abaye, indeed, indeed. In other words, well, it. it 
it's going to be one. It's going to be one and the same. But but the distinction will be having to do obviously with the nature. That's right. The nature of what it is and and if it has a use usage. Amale abaye mimai. Mimai means from what? Literally, in other words. Who told you that you can extend Rabbi Meir even to this, and here's the key words Rashi injects, this small utensil of a nir. Uh, let's for a moment think about the difference between the two. One is a larger utensil. That's the Mishnah of Rabbi Meir B'Yoshua. Our Mishnah is a smaller utensil receptacle uh, for, for the uh, oil or for the wax. Those are very different circumstances. Understand it as follows, as Rashi fills in the gaps again on this. If it's uh, an item prior to being placed in the oven, it's not as if, I mean, think about Play-Doh. You can put something in the Play-Doh at that point. You can use it. You can't put a liquid in it. You wouldn't put oil in it, per se. The oil would melt it away or would, uh, would do away with, the, with the, the form and fashion that you want in this clay. But you could put something dry in it. Okay, now take another step forward forward in this matter. That being the case, when I'm dealing with something large, I could put all sorts of things. I could put fruits and vegetables. I could put any adornment that I want in that Mishnah of Rabbi Meir Rabbi Yoshua prior to hardening. It says Rabbi Meir over there, even though technically speaking, Teddy, nothing to do with human per se or someone else. It should be and it is actually finished when you put it in the oven, but it has a usage at this point already. Uh, questions, the questions Abaye, do you have that same claim when it comes to the nev? This small little receptacle, I mean, what are you putting in that? You're not putting oil in it, it'll ruin it. You're not putting the wax in it, it'll also ruin it. Uh, so what are you placing? It has no usage. Maybe it'll be Meir, who is stringent in the context of Tuman Taharats, because he's talking about Klecheres, which are larger, as opposed to over here, the Neir, which is smaller. Dilma, maybe. Atkan, Loka Amar Bimeir Hatam, over there. Maybe it'll be Meir's statement, over there, meaning by Tuman Taharat, in Masechet Kelim, Ela de Hazel Kabule Behmide. Hazel means it's... Um, it's, uh, it can be seen as, or it is susceptible to, to accept something. The item which was crafted in that Mishnah Masechet Kelim can accept, as Rashi says, fruits and vegetables and anything else that's dry. But over here, our case, the Ner, well, it can't, you certainly can't put liquids in it. Is there anything solid, so small that you would use this for? What would you use it for? Answers Rav Yosef in defending his opinion that our Mishnah would accord to, uh, uh, with the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Le kabule be peshite. Le kabule be peshite. Peshite is a reference to coins. Le kabule be means to accept within it coins. Coins are small. Um, Charles will properly ask, but you're not using and putting coins in it on the holiday. Uh, that's not the point. The point is there are small items such as coins, by extension anything else, which this can be used for. And therefore, on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, well, Yom Tov is really what we're going to be dealing with, this in our Mishnah, on Shabbat, if you put that final touch on it with your action prior to and without placing it in the oven, it's still Asur. What are you going to use it for? I could use it to put small things into it. You could put seeds and nuts into it by extension. I hear you. It's, it's actually interesting. The Gemara doesn't suggest that because they dealt with seeds and nuts. Uh, interesting it's, point. Uh, uh, Pits by extension. Peshite, it says fruit? No, not as a, not as a definition of 
Oh, that by extension, you could put small fruits, I guess, olives or, or grapes. In other words, we're now going to redo this Gemara in a different version. Um, the second segment of the Gemara, the challenge, who said, uh, maybe it doesn't go that far, maybe it's only by Hulchotuman Tara in that situation, and the response that you could put small things into it, that will repeat itself. The particulars of it's Rabbi Meir as opposed to Rabbi Yoshua, we're going to redo that with another opinion. There's an alternative version as to how this played out in the Midrash. Amar Rav Yosef, same rabbi, Rav Yosef, who's explaining who's the author of our Mishnah who maintains that it's considered a Gmar Keli, it's considered a final stage of production even prior to hardening it in the, in the oven. We said a moment ago, Rabbi Meir, this time Rabbi Li'ezeb, Rabbi Sadoku. It can as well maybe accord with the opinion of Rabbi Li'ezeb, Rabbi Sadok. Who's he? Ditnan, as the Mishnah in Masechet Eduyot teaches, Al-Fasin Horaniyot, Tehorot Be'ohel Hamet, Utmeot Be'masa Hazav. Rabbi Li'ezeb, Rabbi Sadok, Omer, Af Tehorot Be'masa Hazav, Lefi Shelonig Merav Melachtan. Now, before filling in the details and the specifics of what we're dealing with, let's just for a moment pay attention to those final words of Bili Ezeb Rabit Sadok, which are the most important ones for our purposes. His statement, again, we don't for the moment understand what it means, Tehorot Hazab, but we do understand those final words. His statement is because their production process has not finished. Now, understand the production process over there, and we're going to fill this in just. 20 seconds now, is making a, what's called kelikibul, a bet kibul, a place, an indentation is the right word, a place where something can be placed inside of it. Then the statement of Rabbi Li'ezeb Rabbi Sadok is, once that is made, well then it's considered a gmar keli. If you had an indentation, Rabbi Li'ezeb Rabbi Sadok is by extension implying, and says that is considered gmar, well, one second, it's considered gmar keli, I haven't placed it in the oven yet. Oh, it's for that. Rabbi Li'ezeb, Rabbi Sadok is telling us, oh, that's sufficient, even prior to placing it in the oven. Again, I'm, I'm leaving out the details for a moment because I want to finish the Gemara because now we have the, the, we have the context and we have the direction. So one more time to fill, before we fill in those details as to the specifics of what we're dealing with, which will take us a few moments, I want to just catch us up to date over here and then move this till the end. So the Gemara then is suggesting, or Rav Yosef in this version is suggesting to be Li'ezeb, Rabbi Sadok, who's dealing with some sort of utensil, we'll talk about the specifics in a moment, which is flat. It doesn't have an indentation in it. It's not a gemar keli. It's not considered gemar keli. What is a gemar keli? The indentation, even prior to placing in the oven. Uh, the extension says Rav Yosef to our circumstance, to our Mishnahs. Well, that's the opinion. Who maintains? It's considered a final stage in, uh, in the manufacturing, in the production of this utensil, of this vessel, even prior to hardening in the oven. Says the Gemara, same continuation now, as I said. Amale Abaye, Abaye turns to Rav Yosef, says, one second, you're going to apply that opinion to over here? He was talking about some utensil that was larger as opposed to ours. Maybe the circumstance situation that he was dealing with, a plate or a bowl of some sort, was able to accept and to hold within it larger fruits and vegetables and anything else. Of course, not liquids, it's prior to hardening. But our case of the ner lemai hazeh, 
What's it able to receive? Answered Rav Yosef Be smaller items, coins, and things of that sort. I said, it means that the Gemara in both of its segments leads us to the same point. What are the details to fill in over here as to what that Mahlok and Hachamim is really about? So let's go back to that. Ditnan Al-Fasin Horaniyot. Now the Gemara, in the, that, that's why it's a little confusing. The Gemara in the next few lines defines those words, but let's define them anyway right now. Al-Fasin and Al-Fas over here is a reference to a, uh, a Ki'ara. It's a, it's a plate of some sort. But it's a, a, a plate which has not yet been pressed in. Uh, how do we know that? Well, it's called Horaniyot. Horaniyot means of the suburbs or outside of large cities. I was going to say until today, but I'm not really certain. It was, uh, I guess, in the village side where you had the more simple people, people with less wealth, more common people, who didn't have the ability to put the money for the same... I guess luxuries or full usage of utensils, they would use the more simply crafted utensils, the items which were made in the easiest way. And so as a result, they would buy and use and maybe even produce um, uh, plates which had no indentation, bowls which had little indentation. That's what an Elfas Horaniyot. Horaniyot is a reference to villages, the sides of the cities, and Alfasin is that Ki'ara. Okay, so what's the status with regards to Tum'a and Tahara? What does that have to do with us? See, here's how it goes. From Pesukim in the Torah, the Hachamim have a derasha, that for something to be Mekabel Tum'a in Ohil Hamit, right, we've talked, we, we know this Halakha, Kohanim certainly know it. You can't enter into a room, you can't enter into a funeral uh, um, house. Why? Because there's a dead body in there when there's the dead body in there. Uh, that's called Ohil Hamid. Now, the status is not only with regards to Kwanim, it's with regards to utensils as well. Utensils, however, need to be utensils that have that indentation. They have to be, have a bet kibul, a way of receiving. We're doresh that from Pesukim. As a result, I'm dealing over here with Al-Fasin Choraniyot, says the Halakha, the first Halakha in this Mishnah, Tehorot Be'ohelamit. They don't accept Tumah when they are under the same roof in a tent with a dead person. Why not? That's not considered a keli. Go ahead. Yeah, so plate, it's not hollowed out. It's a flat plate, for example. Absolutely flat? That's exactly what we're talking about. So if it has a little, a little uh, dip, that becomes... Yes. That, that could be sometimes... Right. If it's absolutely flat with no ridges on the sides, that's the salacha. That's exactly what we're talking about. Why? Pasuk in the Torah. I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not, and I can't get philosophical on this one. It had a purpose to serve on a, a, a wood tray for like a... It had a purpose here. They were eating their meals on it. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're saying I'm going to bring out, uh, I don't know, flat items on it to the table? That's the halakha. Pasuk in the Torah tells you it needs to have a bet kibul. So if it's pasuk... Would you, by extension, not need to do tevilat kelim? On it, la um, halacha. We certainly do it, even on uh, even on that. Uh, it's an interesting uh, question. Why would you distinguish? I'm not certain to the answer to that question. Um, you're going to have to give me a minute to try to remember this one. I know it is. Uh, I know it's a Gemara elsewhere. Uh, does Rashi cite it here? No, I don't. Um, Rashi does quote it here. Rashi says, uh, it's Bimidbar Perek Yotet, Vechol Keli Patuach. Kol Keli Patuach, any utensil which is open. It needs to quote, have an opening, have some indentation. Okay, uh, Jeffrey, an interesting, important question to return to. But anyway, so Al-Fasin Horaniyot, 
Tehorot be'ohel hamet. If they're inside of, oh, I know the answer already to Jeffrey. It's that the, the, it, we're going to see the distinction even over here. In other words, we're going to say for a moment, it's a pasuk which is written only in the context of tumat met ohel, or ohel hamet. For one reason or another. In other words, it's not definitional of Kelim, it's definitional over there. That's why we're gonna. That's why we're gonna distinguish even in Tuma and Tahara, other types of Tuma and Tahara. It is susceptible to. No, so that's I'm I'm redefining. I, I may have said those words before. It's not a Keli with regards to receiving Tuma in Ohelamet. But the pasuk, in the, you're 100% right, and they are used, and we might use it as well, but the pasuk says, v'chol keli patuach, any open, uh, open utensil. If it doesn't have that opening, it's not considered a utensil for tumat or helamet. But again, Eli, that's the response to Jeffrey as well. We're talking specifically about that. As a result, says the, says the Mishnah, utmeot b'masa hazav. Uh, they do get Tumah in other circumstances. What's that? What's Masah Hazav? Well, Zav, we've talked about as an individual, as a certain discharge and a certain Tumah, uh, which was once a lot more relevant and talked about. You had Zav, you had Zava. You had uh, individuals who had a certain Tumah. They had, based on Pesukim in the Torah, a specific Tumah that doesn't apply in other circumstances. It's called Tumat Heset. Heset means they kind of move it around. By moving something around, carrying it, that's considered tameh. The pasuk in the Torah, when it talks about them needing the kli patuach, to be open receptacle, is only in the context of tumat tamet. It's not in the context of tumat zav. And as a result, that's the distinction over here. Rabbi Eliezer ben Sadok says, no, I disagree about that because, says Rabbi Eliezer ben Sadok, and this you would have to argue to Jeffrey's point, according to Rabbi Eliezer ben Sadok, you wouldn't have to do tevila, I'm, con- I'm convinced. Because he says, his definition of a gemar keli is that it has a bet kibul. As a result, even if it seems to me, Charles and Jeffrey, that you would be using it in whatever way, fashion, even when it's flat, and you're even manufacturing it that way, but that's not the definition of a keli. And by extension, you don't have the halakha with regards to zav, uh, nor, of course, with regards to Ohil Hamid. Well, that's the specific in here. Again, why do we mention this, aside from it being interesting, uh, to a certain extent, we mentioned this in the Gemara because we were fe- focused on that last opinion. Rabbi Le'ezim, Rabbi Sadok, Rabbi Le'ezim, Rabbi Sadok's opinion is that the only time it's, or, or excuse me, it's considered already a Gemar Keliar is where it's a final act on this item once you had the indentation. You don't need to enter it into the oven. As that's what we have in the Gemara. Rashi is the interpretation we just set forth with regards to the Al-Fasin Tosafot has a technical detail, which is an important one, where they quote from a Gemara elsewhere, Masichit Hulin, that anytime something is Tameh Betumat Ohil, anytime something, if it's under the same tent as a dead body, becomes Tameh or doesn't become Tameh, you have the same laws that carry over to Zav to this issue we're talking about in the Gemara. So the therefore question, Rashi, how do you distinguish? The Mishnah here is distinguishing. You're saying because it's a halakha over there, but not over, how do you distinguish? Tosafot instead suggests, as Lakach Piresh Rabbeinu Tam, Iraniyot yesh lahen toch, ela shemechusot lema'ala ve'omdot lipateach. Uh, the suggestion is as follows, is the way they used to craft these items is with a covering on it which had to be detached. 
So it was some sort of bowl or plate-like item which had a covering which needed to be detached manually, not just pulled off. And as a result, the way this was produced was with that covering. In the villages outside of the big cities, they would just use it the way it was finished with that covering on. They wouldn't go through with the last stages, which was ex more expensive to take off that covering. In the cities, they would take off the covering. Now we found a situation where it is considered for all intents and purposes a final keli. It just hasn't had the top taken off of it. It's for that, and specifically that reason, says Tosafot, that we therefore can distinguish between Tumat Ohel Hamet and Tumat Zav Behesert. Uh, that's what we have in our Gemara, uh, and to, to this point then, the Gemara has defined our Mishnah as either Rav Yosef stood strong, Rabbi Meir's opinion, or Rabbi Sadok, the common denominator being, it doesn't need to be hardened in the oven in order for it to be considered a Gemar Keli. Practical ramifications with regards to Chot Shabbat and Yom Tov? Not so many yet, but all right, we're making our way along. Says the Gemara Tanur Rabbanan Beraita, En Pohatin Etaner, Ven Osin Ilfasin, or Alfasin, Choraniot Biom Tov. And those are not halachot that are surprising to us. Let's repeat them again. The Beraita says, number one, En Pohatin Etaner. We saw that in the Mishnah, that's what we've been talking about until now. Can't put the final axe on the Ner. Ven Osin Alfasin, Choraniot Biom Tov. Furthermore, you're not allowed to create, you're not allowed to craft. These alfasin choraniot, these flat, non-indented um, uh, bowls or plates, or, uh, items of that sort. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel matir ba'alfasin choraniot. Ban Shimon ben Gamliel disagrees on that last halacha. He says that last halacha is not considered without the indentation to be considered a gemar keli. And as a result, you'd be allowed to craft that on Yom Tob. It wouldn't be considered a makebe patish, that last stage. Says the Gemara, my choraniot, we've been talking about until now. We're talking about alfasin. We know that's some sort of utensil. What's choraniot? Amar Yehuda, Iraniot, it's uh, city-like or small city-like, village-like. My Iraniot, what does that word mean? Amar Haklayata. What does that mean? It means uh, those, uh, those um, uh, which are made of that fashion, the fashion we've been talking about until now, the distinction between the city-like utensils, either with the indentation or with the covering taken off, or um, the village-like uh, items, which are uh, without the indentation or without the cover being taken off. Says the Gemara, lastly, ve'en osin pehamin. The next words in the Mishnah were, you can't craft, you can't make on Yom Tob, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, charcoal. Uh, says the Gemara, peshita. Of course, you're not allowed to make charcoal. Lemay hazeh. What are you going to be using the charcoal for? It's a melacha because you're not using it for anything constructive for Yom Tov. Let's review again. Rashi told us in the Mishnah. Using it to cook, Important question. Give it a second. Apparently, you're not really using it to cook. But you could use it for heating up in some way or fashion. At this point, the assumption is people only use charcoal, what Rashi told us in the Mishnah, in order to be misaref zahav, in order to put together and harden gold. That's not something he can be doing on Yom Tov. That has no sort of Yom Tov. That's really what the Gemara says. Gemara says, what would you be using it for? Says the Gemara, you might be using it for something that would be Yom Tov activity. It says, lemay chazeh, what would it be? Taneh rebihiyah lo nitzricha ela lemosran leol yarin lebo bayom. Uh, says the Gemara, maybe the issue would be over here that you're handing off the charcoals le'ol yarin. Rashi, three lines from the bottom, four words, three words before the underline, says, mehame hamin umer hasaot. What are ol yarin? Ol yarin are those who heat up the bathhouses. 
So what are you doing? You're crafting, you're finishing the touches on charcoal in order to heat up the water that people could and would use to bathe in on Yom Tov. That's Sorech Yom Tov. So now we have, go ahead. So if you had charcoal before Yom Tov, the assumption clearly is that you could use it on the bathhouse if you had it before Yom Tov. That seems clear for us. Uh, we'll have to talk about the practical ramifications in a few moments. I'll furthermore send a class on, on the practical ramifications and all that sort of stuff, both with regards to Yom Tov and with regards to Shabbat. But that's the assumption. In other words, but the Gemara, interestingly, is not being matir now. What's that? Well, is there a melacha? What are you doing? It's makib patish. It's the final stages on the item. You're allowing for the fire to burn it. It's Yom Tov, and you're allowing for the fire to finish off. Now, what, what's the issue then? If it's permitted to then heat up the water, which you're going to be bathing in, so then why is it asur? Well, apparently, before we even read on, we're in the Gemara, apparently this, when, when a person sees you doing that, the assumption, the normal usage of this is for gold. And as a result, since that's the normal usage, you can't be doing this on Yom Tov. Says the Gemara, but even before you continue, are you allowed to heat up that water on Yom Tov? Is that really so? Again, we always know about heating up water, but over here we're talking about heating up the water in a bathhouse. You didn't have a bathtub, you didn't have a shower, you had a bathhouse, a public bathhouse. Is that permitted? Uh, yeah, maybe it is permitted. The Gemara is assuming you know, Rashi fills in the gaps on this, Gemara in Masechet Shabbat and Dafmem. Gemara in Masechet Shabbat and Dafmem tells us that there were Gezerot. You see, what happened was, even though if you had the water heated up before Shabbat or before Yom Tov, you could use it in order to bathe with, um, provided that you didn't squeeze and do any of that sort of stuff, uh, what ended up happening was people would go in and then heat up the water for themselves on Shabbat even, and even on Yom Tov in a way that wasn't Shabbat Lechol Nefesh. It wasn't something everyone would be in need of. And as a result, the rabbis made a gezerah. No longer can you use the merhasaot. You can't use the bathhouses. The next stage was, but they allowed for people to sweat in the bathhouse. House. People like to go until today. People like the Schwitz, that's what my Zadie used to call it. Right? They like to go and you know, they feel you opened yourself up. Are they allowed for that? But then they realized there were people going in and said, I'm just going to sweat. And they were actually going and uh, heating up the water in order to, in order to bathe themselves. Uh, there was a, a next stage. They still allowed for natural hot springs. And then people were manipulating that as well. In the end, they brought that back. But ultimately speaking, the Gemara does tell us, the Gemara in Masech Shabbat and Mem says, there's no bathhouses allowed on Yom Tov or Shabbat any longer, even if it was heated beforehand. Uh, so what are you telling me that they make... That's why I said Hamet I called that natural hot springs. Right? So the Gemara initially says they stopped that. Because the Gemara ultimately speaking says Hamet is Mutar. Yes, 100%. Um, it says the Gemara, but again, Uboba Yom Is it permitted to go into the bathhouse? Is it permitted to use the bathhouse on Yom Tov? And says the Gemara, Gezera. The Gemara is citing from Masechet Berachot and Daf Kavzaim, where the Gemara says Rava observed, or it was observed that Rabbi went into the bathhouse on Yom to- on Shabbat. And I couldn't believe it. What do you mean? We're not allowed to. The suggestion was he was going to sweat before that second stage of the Gezera. The restriction of the rabbis began, no bathing. And they said, okay, you can, you, you, but you could sweat. And then they ended up saying, you can't even go into sweat. Suggest the Gemara, everything we're talking about in the Mishnah is in the prior stage. 
The Mishnah is talking about before the second stage where you weren't allowed to go in to, when you were allowed to go into sweat, you could in theory be using those pehamim, those uh, uh, coals, in order to heat up the bathhouse, which would be permitted. Nonetheless, Mishnah says it's Asur. Why is it Asur? Because the assumption is you're making those coals in order to craft something with gold, which is clearly forbidden, has no sorech yom tov. That's the halacha then in our Gemara. Where does that leave us practically? Obviously a longer conversation, but I can already just in the initial stages tell you, here we're talking about a public bathhouse. Here we're dealing with particular and specific gezerah about a public bathhouse. That's not to say that you could on Shabbat heat up water. That's Asur. What about on Yom Tov? Is it permitted to heat up water on Yom Tov for a bath? Well, you're allowed to heat up water to drink, and we have a halacha and if it's for Sorch Yom Tov, it's permitted. Indeed, Hacham Ovadia Yosef in his book, Hazon Ovadia and Hilchot Yom Tov, writes that it's permitted on Yom Tov to take a shower. There are certain restrictions in place. You shouldn't be squeezing your hair. Uh, you shouldn't uh, be, uh, there's, uh, what you shouldn't be with regards to certain soaps, if you're putting them on afterwards, smearing them onto your skin in a regular fashion. But ultimately speaking, he writes it black on white. With regards to this Gezerah, which the Chachamim say is in place both on Shabbat and on Yom Tov. It's true in a public area. If it's in your own home to heat up the water and to take a shower on Yom Tov, there would be no problem which is posed. The issue specifically over here is because of the Ulyarin, because of the Balanim in the public area. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Bihananya. Ben HaKashiach